My dog Bree farts all the time. I'm Alan Gerding, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is the only podcast in all of the world that is about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. I'm talking board games, tabletop games. If you like cards, dice, role-playing games, well, <laughs> you've come to the right place. And that's this, the Tuesday Night Podcast, episode 176. And today, I have... A solo episode. You may be asking yourself, why? Why a solo episode? Why not have a special guest? Where's your business partner, Sean McCoy, or Buttface McGee, Lindsay Road? Where are all these fantastical people that you could have on? What about another B-Team episode, Alan? Anything but you yourself. Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons. But here's the main reason. Anytime we have anyone on this podcast with me, well, it just sucks up a whole bunch of time. And that doesn't leave us a lot of time for interaction satisfaction. So instead of thinking of it as an Alan Solo episode, think of this episode as an interaction satisfaction episode. <laughs> Cue the cowboy. Howdy. It's time for... Interaction Satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Dear TKG Crew, I notice you don't do Interaction Satisfaction as much as you used to. Why? Are you even responding to emails anymore? More Interaction Satisfaction, please. Written by, will you even respond to this? Well, the truth of the matter is, we try our best to respond to all emails. If we don't send you a response right then and there when we read your email, we typically read the emails on our episodes. But the real truth of the matter is, we haven't been getting that many emails as of late. So not only is there a lull in the emails because we've been super busy, Doing all sorts of crazy Tuesday night game stuff. Getting ready for Tooth or Bear. Finishing up a pound of flesh. The Mothership module. Oh. But there haven't even been any Naif Tonight's missions either. So if you're listening to this, please send us your emails and trust that we will respond to them the best we possibly can. Where do you send those emails? Where do you send those Nave Tonight's missions? Why, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. You know what I'm going to do for this episode? I'm actually going to try to evoke even more emails by providing a question that all of you Naves listening right now can answer right here on the podcast. And I'll read those in. I'll, I'll read those damn answers. Here's the question. What is your biggest Emperor's New Clothes game? Meaning, what is a game that you feel everyone says is so good, but you think, meh, not that great? I'm on crazy pills over here. Why is everyone saying this game's good when clearly they shouldn't be liking it so much? 
what is that game for you, as I call it, your Emperor's New Clothes game? Not to be confused with the actual game that was released, Emperor's New Clothes, which was hilarious, by the way. It was a game on Kickstarter that was an entirely blank white box that had nothing but components that were blank white. Amazing joke. Pissed some people off. I don't know why. Hilarious. But I'm using it in reference to the idea that people seem to be going along with the craze just to be going along with the craze. I'll put myself out there right now. My answer? Oh man, people are going to criticize me for this one. My answer to that question would be the mind. Yes, people love the mind so much, but I can't help but think it's for people who can't count. The game is count to 100 and just keep a nice count. One, two, three, silently. And when your number comes up, put your card down. In fact, if you don't go by the original German rules, you're even allowed to slowly slide your card forward in the beat of counting. One and slide and two and slide and three and slide and four. Wait until your 17 comes up and just flip it over. I, I, I felt crazy. What am I, what am I crazy? How is this? Oh, you're playing it wrong. What? No, I'm not. Playing it right. How come you can't count? Like, Bill, why did you play 77? I just put down 60. 17 seconds have not passed since I put down the 60 card. This is crazy. So every round shouldn't take longer than a minute and 40 seconds. Because that's 100 seconds. Anyway, I'm crazy. What is the game that makes you feel like you're in crazy pills? All right, all right, moving on to the next email. Alan, I've been listening to all the episodes, including the entire backlog. I was thinking of starting my own podcast and figured since you have over 100 episodes under your belt, you'd be a person to ask. What is the most difficult aspect of hosting a podcast? What is your least favorite aspect of hosting a podcast? And what have been your biggest failures slash successes? Your knave hope to be hosting soon. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I couldn't help but notice that you didn't mention uh, what kind of podcast you'll be hoping. Are you trying to compete with us, you son of a gun? Oh my goodness. I have to give you some bad advice then. No, not really. The more the merrier, I say. Rising tides raises all ships, as the classic expression is. Anywho, uh, let's start with the first question. What is the most difficult aspect of hosting a podcast? Oh man, there's a lot. There's a lot that's tough about it. I would say editing is even harder than hosting for sure because editing is an art. So is hosting, but editing takes a lot of time. Hosting, you're just hanging out with someone, talking, etc. I think you have to make sure you have good sound quality. SBJ, previous host, really hammered that home. He was a perfectionist when it came to sound quality, but I think it's the timing. Timing is really crucial. How often are you going to be releasing an episode, but also scheduling with your guests? It can be a nightmare. Sometimes they live in Australia, like last episode, episode 175, where we had Stephen Medway from Blood on the Clock Tower, and he lived in Australia, which is a 22-hour difference, but also 
there was daylight savings time going on over there, so it changed over the weekend while we're emailing. Well, do you mean seven o'clock your time, nine o'clock mine? This is why I really recommend you use some type of app where you can just put in a whole bunch of availability and agree to a certain time that way, rather than just doing it the old fashioned way. I'll be totally honest, I haven't done that yet and I should, especially after that last scheduling fiasco, which is a good role playing game. But that's all technical stuff. I think the hardest aspect is staying fresh. Maybe I could even be criticized as not staying so fresh. I keep on emphasizing that we are not a review podcast. We're just here to share the stories we make while playing the games we love. There's so many times I get together with friends and we just reminisce about all of these amazing stories. But you kind of run out, or sometimes you're not in the mood for it. So I think that all boils down into one simple piece of advice, and that is just make sure you genuinely enjoy doing the podcast. If you're doing it for ratings or reviews or marketing or you're trying to cash in on something, maybe segue your career into professional podcast host, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Everything that could be said about game design in the tabletop industry can pretty much be said about hosting a podcast. You, you should only be doing it because you're passionate about it. You look forward to hearing your own episode every week. And I know that sounds almost narcissistic. But it's pretty much a requirement. You need to be able to do that. Otherwise, if you're bored and not into it, your listeners are going to tell. Human beings are amazing bullshit detectors. And if you're bullshitting your way through it, not going to go well. And it's a lot easier said than done because I'm confident I'm still learning so much about podcasting. And I remember being worried about doing stupid sound effects or making a jackass of myself. But listen to me now. I'm just doing all sorts of that shit because that's me. And trying to be some type of person that's not me is no good. So be comfortable. Enjoy it. Have fun. I guess mastering being yourself genuinely is probably the most difficult aspect of hosting a podcast. All right. What is your least favorite aspect of the podcast. Oh, well, I already mentioned editing as the hardest. Is editing my least favorite aspect? Sometimes, sometimes. Editing takes a lot of time. That's really tough. And there's a learning curve to it. There's an art to it. Do you get rid of the ahs and the ums? I do. Not all of them, of course. And you can tell if you listen to some of the earliest episodes, like, oh man, I'm almost embarrassed to bring this up. I did a Christmas Spectacular the first season of the Tuesday Night Podcast, the first year we were doing it. And it was my chance to kind of learn how to edit. And if you listen, I took out all of the spaces and all the ums that I could. It sounds so unnatural, but it's quick. It reminds me of these poorly dubbed Japanese cartoons that we had on cable. Speed Racer has no natural beats. I want to give it to Pop so he can build a super engine. I get it, Speed, but they told him at the factory the engine wouldn't work. I want Pops to build the engine. I know how sparking. you feel, Speed. But read this before you do anything. A trial race across Sword Mountain, 5,000 bucks to the winner. Editing is really difficult. Is it my least favorite aspect? No, I think, oh man. Geez, you really cut at the heart of it all. These are tough questions that I probably shouldn't be answering. My least favorite aspect 
of not just my podcast, but any podcast is when they don't ask the questions that I want to be asked. It's really easy to have a fluff piece because I'm so grateful that the guests come on this show to talk about their games or their service or whatever they do. At the same time, I'm totally curious, what's the worst part of your job? Basically, what you're asking me right now, you should be asking your guests. Otherwise, it's just this promotional fluff piece, which I want to get into the dirt. I don't want to be gotcha media and it's only this skeezy type of Geraldo, Jerry Springer thing. But at the same time, there is some deep sincerity in sharing the difficulties and the problems. And I think even if you go back to last episode, which I thought Stephen Medway was a grand guest. I'm glad Blood in the Clock Tower is there. He revealed after we stopped recording that he was getting some heat because of Shut Up and Sit Down's review. Because Shut Up and Sit Down broke their rules and they gave a review of his game Blood in the Clock Tower before it was even published. And apparently Shut Up and Sit Down have been getting a ton of hateful comments on that YouTube video, but also on Board Game Geek, Blood in the Clock Tower has been getting a lot of hate. And I, I just so wish that that had been brought up in the episode, last episode 175, while we were recording. Because that would change it from a fluff piece of just promoting a game to, hey, here's here's the bad stuff that people have been saying and can feel about it. I think it's really important to be very sincere and talk about the best aspects of what you do. It's also really important to talk about the dark side of it. And that's actually why I don't think I'm a review podcast. It's funny because I just said I don't get the mind and that is an opinion piece. But if I was a reviewer, I would want that journalistic integrity. I would say, here's my personal experience playing the game, and here's my personal opinion of the game. But also, I've done my homework, and here's the big part that a lot of reviews are missing, not just in board games, but in movies, music, etc. Here is the best experience someone can possibly have. Not necessarily my experience, but the best imaginable experience. Like, here's what people really love about this, and here's the worst possible aspect or experience someone can have with this music, board game, movie, etc. And I believe that it was what is missing from Quentin Smith's review, or I should say Shut Up and Sit Down's review of Blood in the Clock Tower. And I think that's where a lot of the hate's coming from, whether they know it consciously or not, why people see that review and they think, hmm, something doesn't feel right. Because I play Blood in the Clock Tower, and honestly, my personal experience when I played Blood in the Clock Tower, it wasn't that great. But that doesn't mean I can't see how someone could have an amazing experience with Blood on the Clock Tower. I can even see how people can have an amazing experience with the mind. If you can't count. And so my least favorite aspect of any podcast, including mine, is when I listen to an episode and I think, man, there isn't really the negative comparison. Talk about the dark stuff. It's great to talk about enthusiasm and what's fun and these personal experiences that are great. But give me the dirt, man. I want, I want it to be real. I want that contention. I, I, want, I want both sides to be represented. That is the burden of journalistic integrity, in my opinion. So the least favorite aspect of the podcast is when I feel like I've done a fluff piece and we didn't cut in deep enough and it's just someone saying, hey, check out my stuff. It's good. You'll like it. 
Instead, I want someone to say, hey, you can check out my stuff, it's good. It's not for everyone. Not for everyone. Here's why. Or here's some of the bad things that I experienced while doing it. Anyway, hopefully that answers your questions. Least favorite aspect of the podcast. Too fluffy. Sean, by the way, you should write in and congratulate Sean. He has a kid. I don't want to steal his thunder, but Sean just had a baby boy. Not he himself, but he and his partner, Lindsay. Anyway, ramble, ramble. Last question. What has been your biggest failures? Well, just in last episode, man, I'm talking about last episode a lot, 175. I talked about failures in board game design. And I think I even touched upon biggest failures going on with the podcast when I feel, man, I missed out on an opportunity. Or if I hear some news about someone that I didn't hear, like when Dan Yarrington came on, oh man, I didn't know that there was so much controversy about Dan Yarrington. I knew some, but I, I apparently didn't do my homework enough. So there's some failures in the podcasting world, but I want to bring it to the table. I am the Phi Theta Kappa advisor at Cuyahoga Community College. What is Phi Theta Kappa? It's the International Honor Society. So if you go to my college and you make it into the 3.5 or greater club, basically, and you've taken at least 12 credit hours, you can join Phi Theta Kappa. They were in need of an advisor. And I said, yeah, I'll totally run this club. I'm like, well, it's not a club. It's a society. Okay. And I just has transformed it into a gaming club. So I call it Phi Thursday Kappa. And every Thursday, I go ahead and just play games with the Phi Theta Kappa members. Instead of just talking, here's the projects we need to be doing around the campus. We play some games. Yes. Now. We've had a lot of successes with throwing games on the table because these aren't gamers. This isn't a gaming club. It was just something that they didn't even really, they didn't even really know existed before they started coming to these Phi Theta Kappa meetings. Whoa, there's all these cool games. So we played great games like Insider Werewolf, which is like my combination of Insider and Werewords. And of course, we played plenty of monikers, the cooperative style and you know, I even got my hands on my own edition of Wavelength, which isn't officially released yet. Side note, Wavelength, same designer as The Mind. Love Wavelength. Hate The Mind. Anyway, I decided I was going to do some themes. So one time we did escape rooms. And so we did the werewolf experiment escape room. So these escape rooms in the box. And they were really excited. Like, I've never done an escape room before, said all these students. Like, hey, well, you get to dip your feet into that pool. It's not actually an escape room, but it's a simulated escape room in a box. Come on down. They loved it. They liked the unlock games. They liked the exit games. Good stuff. Anywho, I decide one theme for this week is going to be mysteries. Oh, mysteries and i think you know one of my favorite games is sherlock holmes consulting detective gather around phi theta kappa members because we are going to solve a murder we're going to be sherlock holmes's lackeys the irregulars and we're going to go ahead and go from location to location interviewing suspect to suspect seeing what they have to say to piece together this mystery we're going to need the map of London. We're going to need the directory so we can look up people's names and addresses so we know where to visit them. In short, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a choose-your-own-adventure novel, 
but we work together as a team and choose where we go. It may not be obvious where we're supposed to go. I played background music, much like you're listening to now. Getting the mystery feel. I gave people individual roles too. For instance, Sierra, you're gonna be the main note taker. Hey, Mesa, I want you, you're gonna hold the directory. Hey, Grisel, you're gonna go ahead and you're gonna look at the always available contacts we have, like the mortician, the police officer, even Sherlock Holmes himself, etc. Hold on to those. I divided up different jobs so people would be as interactive as possible. And then... Crash and burn. I'm reading, and right away the introduction takes like five minutes to read aloud. By the end, they're wrists are hurting because they're taking so many notes they're not sure what they're supposed to pay attention to and i did my best i said hey just relax and trust that you'll remember some things etc but we were probably 30 minutes into the game not even a third of the way through maybe not even a quarter but i could just tell from the expressions on a lot of these members faces that they were just not feeling it that taught me a valuable lesson there's a big jump from going to casual party games like Monikers and Just One to something as deep and entrenched and immersive as Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And I knew I'd gone too far and it was too late because I said, I'm reading the room, I'm thinking we should switch to a different game, at least temporarily. And two of them said, we already called rides, we're out of here. They, their rides were coming to pick them up, etc. So they were gonski. Man, I felt bad. Am I going to get these students back? And here's the little salt in the wound, because I own Chronicles of Crime. And let this be a compliment to Chronicles of Crime. Chronicles of Crime uses a phone app and is very similar to Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, except you don't need this big tome or this book where you have to turn the pages. Instead, it does so much of the work for you in the app, but also the cards. Imagine getting to wear virtual reality goggles to look at a crime scene, and only one person can look through these goggles at once. And so imagine one player is looking through this crime scene and says, I see dead cats. There's a letter on the table. I see some chocolate cake. And as they're screaming out what they're seeing in this crime scene, because they only have a minute to view this crime scene, all the other players have these evidence cards that just have these generic categories, food, animal, photography. And so they're grabbing these possible cards that they think correspond to what the person seeing the crime scene is referencing. Then you just scan those evidence cards and it lets you know what you see in them and if they're actually valid pieces of evidence or not. Then they have character cards that you can scan. Like, I want to talk to Lady Macbeth. And so you just scan Lady Macbeth and then it comes up on the phone. Hey, I'm Lady Macbeth. It's ridiculous. Instead of having these long narratives that you have to read in this tome, as you do in Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, and instead of having to rely on your own note-taking skills, everything is available in front of you. Pro tip, by the way, public service announcement, you're welcome in advance. When you play Chronicles of Crime, do yourself a favor, get the smallest pad of post-it notes that you can get. They have these miniature versions, which are basically one inch by one and a half inch. And those fit perfectly on the evidence cards, the character cards, the location cards. So you can write the names like, oh, this person 
is Lady Macbeth. So you write Lady Macbeth. Oh, this animal is actually represents the dead cat. So you put the dead cat post-it note on the evidence card that says animals. So instead of saying animals, now it says dead cats. Post-it notes will totally help you enjoy Chronicles of Crime. Time back in, public service announcement over. Why didn't I bring Chronicles of Crime instead of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective? I still love Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's incredible because I have that patience. I have that need to just totally geek out and spend a few hours sitting down and reading and listening and just mental masturbation really is what it comes down to. But Chronicles of Crime reduces it so that everything's on the table in front of you. And here's the real beauty of Chronicles of Crime. If anyone shows up late, everything is on the table, especially if you use my post-it note suggestion. So Tammy shows up late. Tammy says, I don't know, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to wait till everyone's done. Tammy, we still have like a long time to solve this mystery. I'm sorry, I'm late. No problem, Tammy. Take a look. You see that character? That is Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth is the landlady of our corpse, Mrs. Miller. Mrs. Miller was found dead, surrounded by dead cats. You see the dead cats over there? Yeah. There's also chocolate cake. And when we examined the chocolate cake and took it to the science lab, they found traces of poison in the chocolate cake. So when Tammy shows up late, she can see, oh, okay, that's Lady Macbeth. This is the corpse. Here's the cats, the dead cats. or All these notes are in front of all of the players. So you can literally just point to each of these images so that someone can catch up to the mystery. And it takes just minutes. We did this. When I played Chronicles of Crime, a couple people showed up late, no problem. Here's the story, and it took just a minute or two to catch them up, and they're right in the game, ready to play, as if they were there from the start. It's beautiful. Chronicles of Crime! I cannot emphasize this enough. Chronicles of Crime is a great gateway game, bringing people who have never really gamed before into the fold without overwhelming them. Because you can go from party games to Chronicles of Crime. You can't go from party games to Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. That was a big mistake. So, you want some advice? This probably has nothing to do with podcasting. That's fine. But make sure you know your audience and you do it right. Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money. And we'll talk about your stuff. But only if we like it. <laughs> All right, for this sponsor spot, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to live shop. I'm going to live shop thegamecrafter.com. So I'm just going to type in thegamecrafter.com in my browser. And once I'm there, there's a search bar at the top. And I'm going to click on the shop in the upper left, and there's a drop-down menu. You can do all departments, all games, all game parts, bargains, board games, card games, dice games. Starting to sound like the Tuesday Night Podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go ahead and click on bargains. Maybe I want a deal today. And now the screen comes up. There's a deal of the day. Right now it's Aspects of Humanity. Heritamese Birth Starter Deck. No idea what that is. It's for $6.58. There's a whole bunch of other games and a lot of components. I see a lot of dice here. Oh, the big-ass bag of... Six-sided dice, some wood components. I'm just scrolling through here, looking at this. What? There's some random stuff on here. Like, I'm looking at 
a Nerf Jolt gun, so I can buy a Nerf gun. This makes me think that JT Smith, the curator and proprietor of the GameCrafter.com, probably just uses it as his own personal eBay, but I guess his losses are gain if he's just trying to get rid of stuff out of his house that he's like, um, looks like a plastic mug that you'd use in beer pong. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff here. Let's go to shop again. And I'm going to go down to uh, all games. And what do I see here? Oh, yeah. I see a lot of popular games already. The Captain is Dead, made famous on thegamecrafter.com. Purely cooperative game. You can get that there. They have featured games. And they also have staff picks. So if you submit a game and it's good enough, I think they'll put it at the top of the list here. Some interesting games I'm seeing. Oh, man. I'm seeing some Grey Gnome games. Grey Gnome, gorgeous art. Great games from one individual. I'm really sure it's Jason Glover. Let me check it out. Jason Glover designer. Yep, Jason Glover. One of his earliest ones, which I like because I love trick-taking games, is Plague. There's a ton of games in here, but here's the here's the thing. There's these really ugly-ass games in here, and this should inspire you because as I'm looking, I'm seeing games that have some of the worst art I've ever seen just slapped on these things because they're relying on the mechanics to sell the game, which means you could really get a lot of research done. If you're a game designer, you should definitely check out some of the games on thegamecrafter.com just to see what's out there to inspire your own work. Hmm, this is crazy. It's basically like amazon.com instead of books and everything else in the world, it's exclusively super indie games. It doesn't get any more indie than this. I'm expecting the cops to break this up any day now. Anywho, that's thegamecrafter.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Sorry that it's just me. Next time, we're going to have a lot more fun. I don't know what the hell we're going to do, but we got a lot in the planning book. For instance, we have the cabin retreat going on soon. I can't wait to do that episode. That's going to be in the middle of May, May 17th, that weekend. I'm getting Isaac Vettiga and Lindsay Road and a whole bunch of knights and even some knaves are coming down into the Cleveland Akron area to go ahead and play games together. So I'm excited about that episode that will be coming up. But thank you so so much for listening. Remember, the question again is, what is your Emperor's New Clothes game? What clothing does it seem like? Everyone seems to love, but to you, it just looks invisible. Looks dumb. Let me know. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Please leave us a review if you will. Give us all the stars you can. We're on iTunes and pretty much anywhere where you can get your podcast. I'm Alan Gerding. Thank you so much for listening, and this episode is... It's fair.